This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and you tune in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. This week on the programme, we head to the courts to check in with how Malaysian tennis have been keeping up with the pandemic era. A sport that's said to be in an advantageous position due to its playing environment, big spaces with minimal bodies, however, a sport that till today is still lumped together with other court sports like ping pong and badminton. To get a clearer picture, we have on the line Johnson Cole. He's a former professional tennis player who currently serves as the Vice President of the Lawn Tennis Association of Malaysia as well as the president of Sabah's Tennis Association for the past 14 years. Now, as uh, in Sabah, we are concerned, the SOP is almost the same, mm. except that there are different, different districts. We have very big districts in Sabah, different from Peninsula, where the districts are very close. Our districts are very far apart, yeah. but we still follow the SOP. And uh, of course, you know, with the SOP, you, you cannot shake hands, you cannot high-five, you cannot bump body, and you have to stay one meter apart at least. But at tennis court is a big area, so even if you play doubles, it's more than one meter, it's yeah. more than two meters away. And of course, we follow the sanitation and all the SOP that, that has been given out by the ministry. Uh, according to the LTAM, the junior tour was supposed to happen this March. Uh, what was the latest update regarding this tournament? Now, like last year, we managed to squeeze in some of the tournaments because of the EMCO, there's a big relaxation. But this year, as at March, we are not sure where we will be, whether it will be relaxed or not. Mm. If it is going to be relaxed and we are allowed to have uh, tournaments, then we will have it. Hmm. But if not, we will just have to make do with it and uh, follow on until where we are able to have tournaments. So when, when tournaments do resume, uh, Johnson, what, what do you think the new normal will be for tennis? Depends on what the SOP is given. If it is an really open, then we will go back to normal. But if it is a special SOP with a bit of relaxation, then we will just follow the SOP and have the tournament accordingly. Mm. We don't want to go against the SOP regulations and all that. Um, I want to touch upon a point you, you brought up just now, that tennis kind of um, benefited more than other sports uh, because it's one, outdoors, and also two, like you rightly mentioned, doesn't require people to be be close to each other. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Is, is Do you agree that tennis is a, a more advantageous position? In terms of body contact and also proximity, I think tennis has got a better advantage compared to ping pong, badminton, squash, and all the other court games. <clears throat> but then sometimes tennis is lumped together with badminton and ping pong, right. and they say you only can play singles, which is very unfair because the court space is very, very much bigger than all the other games. But at least now, starting today, they allow doubles to be played. So we are quite happy. Mm. But before this, we did submit our request to say tennis should not be lumped together with ping pong and badminton. Because the space is 7,200 square feet compared to badminton, which is about a few hundred feet only. 
What, so what, that is my my take lah. What, <coughs> what were the responses that you got when you brought this up? The answer was wait. So today they relax the rules same as any other game like the Binton and all that. They allow doubles. Mm. So tennis is also allowed doubles. But I think in other considerations based on space and proximity, I think tennis should not be lumped together with badminton and uh, ping pong. Yeah, in terms of space, I completely agree. Uh, how about things, Johnson, yeah. uh, like, like you know, rules in the game itself? You know, I know in the US, they're doing things like uh, maybe no no changing the ends of the courts during a match or using a new record grip every time you play. Do you think these are viable solutions? It's actually a strict SOP, but if you consider everything everything in total, you can see the balls that gone to so many people's hands. If you play doubles, you got four hands. Yeah. You play singers, you got two hands. Yeah. And then you have ball pickers. So some of the things that they propose may not be practical. Although it is a yes, we change grip every time, but then it's only for you personally. Mm. What about those social players who can't even afford to change the grip every time? Mm. Well, it's not that practical if it is only for social games. Mm, gotcha. So if it is for pro because pro, they got people to unwrap the grip for you, place the grip for you, restrain for you. So they are okay. They don't have to pay themselves. Mm. But for our social game, we have to pay everything ourselves. So how can you change the grip every time you play a game? Ever since the first MCO was imposed, uh, a bunch of athletes had to work and train from home. Uh, I know in, in tennis, this is definitely not a, a practical solution. But, you know, take me, take me through, through those times. You know, how, how did you and, and you know, your, your group of players stay fit throughout the whole MCO when you okay, couldn't go on our, court? For our Sukma team, what they do is during the MCO, what they do is we give them the course. We give them an exercise for men, what to do. Mm. Every day you do push-up, you do jogging, you do this, you do skipping and all that in your area confined allowable under the MCO. So this is what we have been doing. Hmm. And apparently after that, when the MCO is relaxed, we are able to play in the courts. Hmm. Then there's a different kind of game altogether because then you have to follow the SOP, no shake hand, no bumping, this and that. But we still followed. Hmm. And I'm sure everybody wants to keep fit and they want to be concerned with safety as well. Yeah. I think we can manage Although we have got restrictions among ourselves as well. Hmm. Make do with what you have, I guess. Yeah, we have to make do with what we have. And you know your own body. Hmm. You've got to keep fit based on what you think your body can take. Yeah. Whereas the, the practice part, the stroking the ball and all that, if it is MCO, we are not allowed to go to the courts. So we just have to hold the racket and do whatever we think is necessary to keep us in touch with the racket. Uh, as much as you know, uh, the importance lie in physical um, fitness, mental health is also of the utmost importance. Uh, how are you guys as an association going about this? Well, this mental part, if actually if you are a committed player in tennis and your mental is strong, you will go over it and you have to persevere with it. You have to train with it. But for those who are not so committed, maybe they just take it as a hobby, not so serious, then I think they will flounder around the way. Hmm. But for those who are really committed, they will just continue with their fitness, continue with whatever they can. And I'm sure they will be there when the time is allowed to play. 
Uh, going into uh, LTAM's plans, uh, as of late last year, the associations, uh, the association was still having tutor courses for coaches. Can you tell us a little bit about this? No, uh, let me go through a little bit further than that. Huh? Sure. Before the, the MCO and all that, we actually have five coaches, five foreign coaches, huh? okay. to coach our national team. And at that time, we have a national academy. But along the way, once the government changed, the policy changed, now we only have, before MCO, we only have two local coaches. Okay. And then with the MCO, because of the sponsorship problem, then the coaches become less. I see. So, but however it is, we have to make do. Wherever we have tournaments, we just send wherever that we can afford because MSN and all that, they have cut down the grants and the president of Tennis Malaysia LTAM has got to make do with what he can. Mm. I'm sure he is very, very agile in getting all this sponsorship mm. and he actually has sponsored himself from his own company to foot the bills before MSN pays back the grant. Right. But of course, MSN, if LTM spends maybe 600000 the most, I think, for last year, they gave only about 200000 I see. It was cut down. Yeah, they, they cut down. and then, <clears throat> But we cannot cut down. Mm. Our program is, if you want the players to go ahead, if you want the players to improve, you have to send them to play tournaments. Mm. If we cut down, means our standard will, will come back to standstill. Now, coming to this sponsorship, I want to highlight this matter, which I think many, many years ago, it, it was happening. That means the government will earmark certain company okay. to take and sponsor one game of the sports. Let's say football, somebody or two companies take and manage them. And then uh, ping pong or tennis, one or two companies take over and manage their sponsorship. <clears throat> But this has no more been there. So actually, my personal idea is this sponsorship must go on. Mm. And we should actually, we should, that's the problem with our society. We should get players who actually are former players to come in and help. Mm. Some former players have got good business people. They are quite well to do. I'm sure they can, they can afford to sponsor. But the trouble is we do not go out to them to tell them, hey, come, come in, have us in the management committee and sponsor us for this. Mm. I mean, that's, just give me as my example. When I was in the company that I am CEO, most of the things that I can approve myself, I'll just sponsor for tennis. But then it's very difficult to get people who place tennis and come in and sponsor. Hopefully the sports minister can earmark one company to take over one game. But that company that takes over that sponsorship of that game must be involved in the management. At least give them a vice presidency or treasurer's post or any post, even president's post. But that is the hard part. That was Johnson Cole, a long-time sports administrator now helming the Sabah Tennis Association and who's also the Vice President of the Lawn Tennis Association of Malaysia. 
More of that conversation coming up, so do stick around only here on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you tune in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Today in the program, we have been in conversation with Johnson Cole, who's a long-time tennis administrator and a former pro, and we've been talking about the scene amidst the pandemic and how Malaysian tennis can move forward. On that point of moving forward, and like many sports circles, funding has always been a stumbling block. Sponsorships from company helps, but an added value of a transfer of knowledge from former pros and coaches can potentially elevate the sport and subsequently increase visibility and confidence in sponsors. Here's Johnson with his thoughts. My personal idea is, if I can, I will call all those ex-national players and coaches to come in for a forum to discuss mm. what is required by everybody mm. because LTAM as a national body is restricted in funding, restricted in so many things, but those on the ground may not know our restrictions. They will just feel you don't do this, you don't do this, why? Mm. But in the national body, we have to be open and tell the, all these people our restriction and what we cannot do. But how to tell them if we don't have a forum? Yeah. And then there are people who complain in the media, especially interview in the Astro and all that, blaming the association for not doing this or not doing that because they don't have the information from LTM themselves to say, what they cannot do. Right. So they blame. Hmm. And when they blame, LTM will say they are against the disciplinary act. So we must take action. So this goes on and on. So it's uh, something like lack of information. Got, right, got you. They, they don't have information, so they think that you are not doing enough at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm, first, first of all, they think we have plenty of money, but you don't do this, you don't do this, you don't do this. Why come our group is not benefiting? Only you benefit one or two top players and all this. Hmm. But information must be given to them. But how to give to them? We must have a forum. Hmm. And the best people to disseminate the forum, the information are the coaches who coach all these people and the state affiliates, Hmm. top presidents and all that who can disseminate all this information to them. Mm. And, and, and apart from, you know, calling coaches and, you know, um, the representatives of each state, earlier in the year, you also called for more women representatives at LTAM. Yes. Can you share yes, with us a yes. little bit? Okay, this, uh, our president, the last two exco meetings stress on the ITF, ITF uh, gender participation, which is the woman participation. It's uh, something like a guideline right. so that we, we should have moving forward to the 30% or 40% of the woman participation. So LTM is following now because in the last EXCO meeting, we have given the president the power to appoint at least two into the subcommittees so that women has got power to be a voice in the management side of LTAM. Mm. Give, give us a picture now. How, how, what's the percentage of men and women uh, in the association? Ah, LTAM-wise, in the ESCO, zero. Oh, really? 
We don't even have a representative. Like in all the states, I am very sure less than 60% have got anything with women ex-cos. Now, the problem is when people come for AGM, they sometimes may not be proposed. Sometimes they don't want. So these are problems that are very difficult to overcome. Mm. First of all, it is not a paid job. It's a voluntary job. So this voluntary job is time-consuming. It takes your time, takes your effort, takes your energy. And then you've got so many other things to do. So these are the things that we are having problem to have women participation. Yeah, but I, I mean, it goes hand in hand, right, Johnston? I mean, having more women representatives would equal more girls and, and women playing tennis at the end of the day. Ah, this, this is a different part. Playing tennis, yes, we have plenty of ladies playing tennis. Mm, gotcha. But mm. we don't have ladies to be in the exco. Some, they don't want. Some was not proposed. Mm. Some, they lost in the election. So these are things that we have to consider along the way. Maybe for ladies, we just appoint them. No need to go for election. What, then, yes. What was, what was the response from, you know, when you, re, when you suggested this? No, everybody agreed. Everybody agreed that uh, the power given to president to appoint because the president was saying all the state affiliates should, con- should start having women representation. Yeah. So I told the president and I told the ex-co to start with, LTM should start first. But LTM cannot just simply go for election and get two to come. So the president must be empowered to appoint so that they can come into the subcommittee or the ex-co if allowed. Mm. We appoint first, then the states will follow. Mm. That's a great, yeah, I mean, to set the example, right? Yeah. Um, Johnson, speaking of our standings, our, our level of tennis and our standard of tennis, how are we doing as compared to other countries around the region? Ah, we are that not was a loud sigh. <laughs> <laughs> we are not as good uh, compared to our neighbouring countries, partly because funding, we don't send players more to the circuit outside our country and things like that. Of course, our education system also is another problem, which I, if I bring up, everybody will not be happy because everybody wants to study first. And when, once you study, you, you reach SPM, it's already 18. Whereas the other countries, they start at 10. Mm. And their system, I don't know what their system is, but they can go ahead without the education, compulsory education. Mm. Whereas for us, if you don't have SPM, you cannot go anywhere. So the solution is to send more of our players abroad to represent the country. But in terms of yes. our current crop of players, do you think that they are off the standard to join these tournaments, in your personal opinion? Well, we for the last two, three years, we have a good caliber players who have gone to other countries to participate, one or two of them managed to get into good tournaments, like our Christian Chin, he went to Australia to take part in the juniors, and also he was included in the qualifying, but apparently he lost, and then I think he also went to the US to take part in the 
juniors and also the qualifier, mm. pre-qualifier before the qualifying. And he also didn't make it so far. was uh, last many years ago, lah, those who, uh, who have gone to the U.S. to study, like Rudy Fu, mm. Suresh Menon, and a few others, Adam Jaya, a few others. But now, hopefully, next coming one or two years, we may have one or two who are already there, like Kao Haoxing, already in U.S. And then we have got one Sabah girl in U.S., no Shanim. They are doing quite well. Mm. Hopefully, they will do well there and come back and represent the country further. Mm. They are already representing the country. Um, what, what do you, I mean, we, we've talked a whole bunch about funding and you know the, the gaps that you guys need to be filled. But what do you think needs to be you know, of the immediate and you know, quickly addressed um, to make Malaysian tennis move forward? Okay, the first thing is uh, at district level, which is actually involving the state association. They must have more tournaments in the district level. Assuming, uh, let's say, I give you a district, 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 and then after that, you have a circuit for the state level. Then from state level, you select these people, maybe eight, and then you groom them so that you can send them to national tournaments. And when they excel in national tournaments, then LTN should take over and groom them from there. But this has been lacking because, again, funding. State funding, also another problem. Hmm. It all boils down you to know, money. I just, I just give you an example. Many, many years ago, uh, yes. Sabah used to get 200000 a year. That was uh, 30 over years ago. And when I took over 14 years ago, the association, the grant is 12000 Twelve. 12000 a year. Eh? Wow. And now, because, because we won our first Sukma goal, now our grant is about 40,000. Still a far cry from the 200,000 30 years ago. Yeah, but then uh, that's what's happening. And the other thing which I want to stress, but I'm not complaining. If I complain, they will make noise. You see, tennis courts, tennis complexes, they build. After they build, that's it. After 7 years, 8 years, 10 years, you don't resurface the courts. No maintenance, right? No maintenance. So that's another big problem. Like in Sabah, I, I pleaded with the minister, like Sukma, Sukma, which is actually interstate national. Yep. We have to plead with them to say, hey, send us to Sukma interstate. And the last 10 years or so, it's like, okay, wait. You've got a good player, we send. No good player, we don't send. How to improve the players? When, how do you know the players will be good when you want to send? Uh, these are chicken and egg problems. And these are problems, nothing to do with the standard of tennis either. You know, it's not that the players can't do it. It's, you know, yeah, the environment yeah. around it doesn't allow for it. Yeah, then it becomes a state funding as well. They mm. say we got no money. Yeah. And then some of the officers, national officers will tell you, you get a medal, we include you. Right. Mm. In fact, in my heart, I tell them, if we already get a medal, we don't need you. <laughs> We need you to send us so that we can get a medal. Johnson, looking in uh, last few questions, Johnson, looking into the horizon, yeah. um, twenty twenty one. Um, are there? Would there be any tournaments coming up? It depends on SOP. I hope the SOP will be relaxed, and the COVID will be will be destroyed. Hopefully. Yeah, if, if that if that does happen, maybe you can just give our listeners of what to expect. You know, what are the tournaments that will be coming up? 
Oh, then we will go back to the normal tournaments, which okay. we have the AT, ATF, ITF, hmm. the Futures. Actually, we got a lot of tournaments hmm. already in place. And oh. then you can't plan now. You plan everything, then COVID comes or SOP comes, then you cannot have foreign yeah. participation. Then who is going to play in the tournament? Yeah, yeah, understood. Understood. Things are very much in limbo, and I wish you uh, the, the best. <laughs> then you of... cannot go to you cannot go to some countries to play because yeah. of restrictions. Hopefully, you know this year will be a much better year for you and our tennis players. Um, and and I wish yes. you I wish you the best for the work you have cut out for the rest of the year and and for the near future. Um, what uh, last question, Johnson? What are your hopes for yes. the future of Malaysian tennis? Well, my hope for <coughs> future of Malaysian tennis is. First thing, we must have enough funding. Enough funding, like I mentioned just now, earmark a company, either it's a private company or uh, what do you call government-linked company, to sponsor the one sports. Get them involved. That's the only way. If they feel responsibly that they have been given that sponsorship with the management appointment there, I think things will work differently. Like you said, no money, how how do you do anything? Even if you want to train them, you need to buy balls. Okay, the other thing is, is uh, associations. Eh? Yes, yes. Management of the associations. I'm not saying there's anything wrong, but management of associations should be people who are committed, people who are ready to work, people who can render services for tennis. Mm. If they just go in there for that, purpose of holding the post and not doing anything, I actually pleaded to all these people, please, don't come. Just enjoy something else somewhere. But if you really want to take out the post, first thing is, you must be committed. You must go and look for funding. And you yourself must be on the ground to make sure that all these things are done. And you know, some of the associations, they cannot even submit an account to the Post commissioner, and then they want to hold the post. They cannot even hold an AGM once a year. It's shameful. I have blasted my people, one or two other people who don't even have AGM, and they cannot even produce the accounts. You know how how big is our accounts? You know, like our state, for example, lah, maximum including funding, okay, two hundred thousand. For a district association, I think the maximum is five thousand to ten thousand of the expenses. And that 5,000, you cannot produce the accounts. Something is wrong. So that, that is my last message to all these who are wanting to hold post. Please, if you cannot have an AGM every year, don't. That was Johnson Koh, the Vice President of the Lawn Tennis Association of Malaysia, as well as the President of the Sabah Tennis Association. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's program. If you'd like to revisit that interview with Johnson, you can head over to our website www.bfm.my forward slash bar none. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. And also don't forget to download our BFM app via Google Play and the App Store. My name's Daryl Ong. You have been tuning in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week, only here on BFM 89.9. Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.